Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Listen, a lawyer parked his brand new BMW on the street at the front of his office so that all his co-workers could see it and envy him. But as he opened the door of his BMW, suddenly a car came along and hit the door, ripping it off completely. And when the police arrived at the scene, the lawyer was complaining bitterly about the damage to his precious BMW. Officer, look what they've done to my Beamer, he whined. You lawyers are so materialistic, you make me sick, retorted the officer. You're so worried about your stupid BMW that you didn't even notice that your left arm was ripped off. Oh, my goodness, replied the lawyer, finally noticing the bloody left shoulder where his arm once was. Where's my Rolex? (laughs) Good morning to you. Good morning to those who are following us online. It's a special day. This is our back-to-school Sunday, and we're having a barbecue and a a, a backyard uh, barbecue. It's not really backyard. It's in the front yard. But you're all welcome to stay afterwards as well. We're giving out school supplies. We're going to be praying for our students at the end of the service and our uh, teachers and teachers' aides because they're going out into the mission field. Amen? And so we want to pray them off in a proper way. Again, my name is Rick Thompson. I'm the pastor here. We are at the end of our uh, exciting summer series. I hope you've enjoyed it. We call it the original top ten. The original top ten. Of course, we're recognizing the fact that most people could quote top 10 of anything over the Ten Commandments. Top 10 beers, top 10 uh, sports teams, top 10 whatever. But when it comes to the Ten Commandments, they can't quote it. And if they can, they don't treat it as commandments at all. They treat it as the Ten Suggestions. And so we are on the 10th one today, which if you haven't figured out yet is what? Thou shalt not covet, covet. And so we've been using the numbers to kind of remember. So we made a number 10, and then we turned that 10 into a, can, can, we, can we get that picture up there? Into a little basketball hoop. And then we told a story for you to remember the 10th commandment. The story went something like this. My, uh, there was a young man who, who was driving down in L.A., driving down the street, his you know, modest vehicle, and he saw a red Corvette shining up next to him, and it was Michael Jordan in that red Corvette, and he thought to himself, I wish I had that Corvette, Corvette, thou shalt not covet. I know, it wasn't the best, it wasn't my best one, but as long as it gets you to remember it, right? So what's the 10th commandment? Thou shalt not covet. This is, <laughs> this is what the scripture actually says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. He says, you must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant. I think Pastor Sean talked about that. God is concerned about property rights. What belongs to other people is theirs. Don't covet it. Their, their wife, their male or female servants, the ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor, their car, their the large screen television, <laughs> the, 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 you know, the size of their house, don't cover it, the Bible says. Jesus said it like this in Mark chapter 7, verse 21. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts. And then he tells us what those evil thoughts are, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery. We talked about all these. What, what number is adultery? Come on, somebody. Seven. seven. Someone say seven. What's, what's, what's murder? What's, what's, what's thou shalt not murder, right? Okay, so he's given off that list. He says wickedness, deceitful, lustful desires, and then envy, slander. What number is that? When, when you slander somebody, you're basically lying on them. What number is that? Come on, somebody. Number nine. Pride and foolishness. He says all the, these vile things, Jesus speaking, comes from within, they are what defile you. 
And so in this long list of evil thoughts that Jesus tells us, he says we find that word smack in the middle, envy. And envy is another word for covet. Envy is another word for covet. I call it the I want that syndrome. Remember that old commercial back in the day where they had the kid, uh, the mother took the little two-year or three-year-old kid to the shopping store and every two seconds, the kid was saying as he saw the candy and he saw the toys, I want that, I want that, I want that, I want that. If you don't remember it, if you had kids and you went shopping, that happened to you. I have, have, I've had four kids. The, the, the retail people strategically put that stuff eye level for the kids to, to, to see and to torment the parents. Because they hope that they're going to get it for them just to shut them up. But I call it the I want that. Syndrome. Well, covering or envy is so bad that it made God's original top ten list. And James points out the consequences of allowing envy or covetousness to reside in your heart. He says in James 4.1, he says, What is causing the quarrels and the fights among you? Speaking again to the church. Okay, so we ain't just talking about outside the church. He's talking to them. He says, don't they, don't they come from evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take away from them. Yet you don't have what you want. Why? Because you don't ask God for it. How many know that Jehovah Jireh is our provider? Amen. And, and everything, he, I mean, everything you need, God has the ability to supply. He says, the reason you don't have it, he says, because you don't ask God for it. Now watch this. He says, and even when you ask, you don't get it. Why? Because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Come on, somebody. In other words, it's all about you. Your wants, your desires, your needs. God, I want this. I want that. I want that. And God says, yeah, <laughs> No. You don't need it, and it's only for your own purposes. How many know that God's got a plan and a purpose beyond what our little world? The world does not revolve around us. Newsflash. And so envy and covetousness are behind many battles and wars, bloodshed, and broken relationships. We see that in the world today. It's, it's what's being sold to us, even in our country, wholesale, by politicians when they pit the rich against the poor, or in their words, the haves against the have-nots. It's how socialist regimes gain power, and, and once they're in charge, once they take over a certain area, they now own you. Just ask the people in China, or, or, or Cuba, or Venezuela, or, or now even Russia these days. The, 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 these, their leaders all rose to power through class warfare, which is basically the sowing and promoting of coveting and envy to the people. And once the masses believe that nonsense, oh, yes, the reason you don't have is because those haves over there have it, and so you now have to take it away from them. And if you elect us, we're going to make sure it's equally distrib distributed. And then now they rise to power, and there's a new sense of haves and have-nots. They're sitting on the top, and now you work for them. Again, it's the sowing and promoting of covetousness among the people. And oftentimes, the enemy sets up these strongholds in our hearts through what I call comparisons. We look at what we have compared to what someone else has, and the perception is that they have more than me, and so what happens? Discontent and envy and bitterness and jealousy and anger start to set in, and it can start out small in a subtle way. Maybe your parents told you you're not the smart one in the family. Come on, somebody. Or you're not the best-looking one. Oh, look at her. They have the good hair, bad hair. Don't act like this hasn't happened. Or you're not the most athletic. And then you start looking at your siblings with envy that starts to creep into your heart. Or you hear something like this, I wish you could be more like Johnny or Susie's kids. And as we get older, you know, the games continue. We look at how much, how better a career choice this one has over that one. How much education this one has over the other one. And we look at all kinds of things like the kinds of 
cars they drive or the kind of clothes that they wear, even the vacations we go on and can afford compared to somebody else. Now, here's the deal. Every time we fall into that comparison trap, unless you're extremely well off, and even among the extremely well off, they play this game, I've got a million, well, I've got three million. It happens even among the extremely well-off. Oftentimes, when you set up that game, there are winners and there are losers. And if you perceive yourself as the loser in that paradigm, not only are you a loser, listen to me, you lose your happiness. It goes out the window because nobody likes to be a loser. And jealousy sets in. And envy and jealousy are basically two sides of the same Covetous coin. Envy is a reaction to lacking something and wanting it. Jealousy is a reaction to the threat of losing something or usually someone. But either way, you're playing the comparison game which produces winners and losers in your head. Now listen to me. When you play that game, really bad things start to happen. And I'm going to give you a list of five things that comparing myself to others will do to you and to your emotions and to your psyche. Number one, when you compare yourself to other people, it will rob you of your happiness because it causes you to remember what you don't have and forget what you do have. Come on, somebody. You forget the blessings that you have and you only can remember the glass half empty. Proverbs 14.30 says, a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. But jealousy is like what? Cancer in the bones. Folks, it's impossible, well, not maybe not impossible, but un highly unlikely to stay happy if you're dealing with cancer in your bones. And it's the same way with jealous people. You ever met jealous, happy people? Have you ever met people who are envious of what other people have and they don't have that are happy? No. It's like cancer in your bones, but it's a cancer to your spirit. When you play that game, your heart is anything but peaceful. And so it robs you of happiness. And secondly, it causes conflicts. Write that down. James 4, 2, the message says, you lust for what you don't have and are willing to kill to get it. You want what isn't yours and will risk violence to get your hands on it. And so we see this happening on a large scale all around the world with Russia and Ukraine, right? We see that happening in real time. Putin, the president of Russia, claims that he's doing this to drive out the Nazis from Ukraine, notwithstanding that the president of Ukraine is Jewish. Doesn't matter. And then he'll say, okay, then I don't want NATO nations uh, 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 on my border. But if he takes over Ukraine, he's going to end up with three more NATO nations on his border. So what's really going on if he succeeds? Listen to me. What's really happening is, is it's a land grab, plain and simple. That's all it's all about. Covetous. He wants what his neighbor has. And so he figures he's bigger, he's stronger, he's going to take it. Now, on a smaller scale, we hear stories about this happening all the time in this country. Back in my day, sneakers were sneakers. You wore it to play outside, basketball, you know, football, whatever, soccer. Today, kids have sneakers for different things, but it ain't for playing. It's show sneakers. And if I ever paid more than $30 for sneakers, they slap me upside my head. These kids are paying hundreds and even up to $1,000 for sneakers. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> and worse, these are the news cycles coming out of that. Let's look at this. Look, look at this one. New Air Jordan shopping riot kills three people. What's the next one? Oh, the next is stabbing over shoes. The headline said, why are kids getting killed for their Jordans? 
And this is what the article says. Listen, it says, these days the selling and use of illegal substances has been bumped from the limelight by a different addiction. It's not a dried out plant loved by hippies, nor does it march in from Colombia. Most of the product is sourced from China and sold openly at the local mall. It's usually made from plastic, rubber, and leather, and most of us use this item in daily routines. Mowing the lawn, hello? As devotees buy and sell primo uh, examples for profit, stories of armed robbery and murder are once more synonymous with feeding this addiction. For many, it is now officially out of control. Welcome to the new crack. And so children, kids are robbing and killing each other over sneakers, all based on envy and covetousness. They want it, they don't have it, and what they're going to do is take it, even willing to rob and kill someone for a pair of sneakers. Let me give you number three. It'll make us resentful. This one is, the one is better looking than I am or prettier than I am or this, that one is wealthier than me or more successful than me. Listen to what Titus 3, 3 says. Once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to so many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and what? And envy. And we hated each other. And so the envy game will leave you resentful. The comparison game will leave you resenting your neighbor or the person next to you. Again, it's something that the politicians have gotten good at sowing among the people. They love to pour fuel on that fire. Number four, it will lead to divisions and other sins. James 3.16, for wherever there's jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. The message says it this way. Whenever you're trying to look better than others or get the better of others, things fall apart and everyone ends up at the other's throat. And we know this is true because there's many biblical examples of that. Cain became jealous of Abel and did what? Killed him. Jealousy caused him to kill his brother Jacob, Esau became jealous of Jacob and wanted to kill him. Joseph's brothers became jealous of Joseph and wanted to kill him. King Saul saw the anointing on, on David and wanted to kill him. And even the disciples, they weren't immune to this happening, even with Jesus in their midst. They got caught up in this game as well. They started, they, 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 they started playing the, what, I, what I call the, who is the, the goat among us? You, what's the goat of today? Greatest of all times? So they wanted, to, they wanted to figure out who the greatest of all times was. And the Bible says, the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons and asked him that when he comes into his kingdom to please put her sons, one of his sons at his right hand and the other at his left. How many know when you sit at the right hand and the left hand of power, you're a powerful person? And so she was asking to elevate my sons above the other disciples. And so an argument ensued because when the other disciples heard this, Matthew chapter 20, verse 24, when the 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked, in other words, James and John had sent their mama to ask Jesus. Oh my goodness. When they heard about it, they were indignant, but Jesus called them together and he said this, listen, you know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people. And officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man, who's the Son of Man? Jesus. Someone say Jesus. He says, even the Son of Man, referring to himself, came not to be served but to serve others 
and to give his life as a ransom for many. We have presidents and emperors and kings on this planet. And the tendency is that once you get in a position of authority to lord it over those under you. But there is one who is the king of kings. Come on, somebody. And the Lord of lords. And his rebuke to his disciples is, listen, though I am a king, I did not come to be served, but to serve. And in the body of Christ, we're not going to play that covetous nonsense game. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, become a servant. Then you'll be great in the eyes of the king. And so covetousness will cause divisions and all sorts of sins. And Jesus himself says, I did not come to be served, but to serve. And lastly, it will distract us. It will distract us from what, from what God, God's purpose is. Write that down. Listen to me. You can't follow Jesus in your life and at the same time be fixated on what Jesus is doing in someone else's life. I'm going to say it again. You can't follow Jesus in this life and be so worried about what Jesus is doing in someone else's life. You've got to focus on what Jesus is wanting to do in your life. Psalms 37, 8 says this, Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. For the wicked will be destroyed, but those who do what? Trust in the Lord will possess the land. And so how, uh, again, it made, his, it made God's top ten list envy. It, Jesus mentioned it as evil that comes out of our hearts. How do we overcome it? I've come up with four ways. I want you to write this down as we start landing the plane this morning. Number one. Enjoy what you have and be okay with what you don't. Enjoy what you have and be okay with what you don't. Do you know America is one of the richest countries on the planet? And in terms of resources, you may not feel rich, but in terms of what's going on in the rest of the world, running water, roof over your head, food, AC, <laughs> we're very rich. Someone said it like this, your gratitude will determine your attitude and your attitude determines your altitude, how high you go. No matter who you are, there will always be people with more than you and people with less than you. Jesus said that. He said the poor you will always have with you. There's not going to be some scale that's going to equal it out for everybody. That's a, that's a socialist utopian nightmare when everyone has nothing, basically, when they're done. Ask the Cubans, ask the Venezuelans, okay? And so there will be people who have more and people with less. And if your eyes are constantly focused on what you don't have rather than what you do, you're going to become a miserable person. Ecclesiastes 6 9 says, enjoy what you have rather than design what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless like chasing the wind. Oh, man, this is a much-needed message in our culture today. We're, we're a culture that, that, that will wait for hours in line. I've said this before, but for the next iPhone. And the iPhone you have works just fine. But we always have the next, the next best thing, the next biggest thing, the next new shiny object. The, the, look, look what I got. And there's nothing wrong with the old one. I got this old radio in my, in my office at my home. And I had the grandkids come in. And they did something. I mean, I'm talking about 
70s. I mean, I'm talking about the old thing, 60s, talking about radio. And it turned on, and they came in the room, Grandpa, Grandpa, that thing turned on. <laughs> and they didn't know how to turn it off. <laughs> because they had their old knobs and the whole things like that. And it worked great. That's why I keep it. Looks cool. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Amen? Now, can you say that you're thankful in all circumstances? Pastor Rick, well, how can I be thankful for what I don't have? This is how. You adopt the attitude that I can be thankful in all circumstances for the things I have and even the things... I don't. Remember that old country song, I, I, thank, I Thank God for Unanswered Prayer? You remember that one? I thank God for, for unanswered prayer. And then he starts giving a list. So for the job you didn't get, you check Facebook for the girl you used to date, and then you're thanking God that you didn't marry her. <laughs> but she was the one back in the day. <laughs> Start thinking of not just the things you have, but the things he's allowed you to avoid. Amen? James 1.17 says, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. So what do we need to do to remember to thank God for what we have. That might take actually sitting down and making a list. We used to call it in the church, count your many blessings, name them one by one. You'll be surprised as you look around at all that God has done for you, how truly blessed you are. And then you need to get to the place where you take God's not, not now or not yet, don't take it for not ever. Because sometimes God is just saying, wait. Wait on the Lord. Amen? Amen? Your blessing is still coming, so be willing to be patient and to wait on him. The next thing, if you're going to overcome envy in your life, is realize that not everything in life is perfect. Write that down. Not everything in life is perfect. Listen, your life isn't perfect. My, my life isn't perfect. Regardless of what you see posted in, <laughs> on social media, their lives isn't perfect. Someone told me the other day, Pastor Rick, I'm, I'm broken. I said, well, join the group. Who's not broken? We live in a fallen world, and just because people's masks are better than your masks, doesn't mean that there's not a level of brokenness. We look at these pictures on social media, and, we, and for every 10 photos, I guarantee you that they post, there's 20 or 40 that they didn't. Didn't make the shot. Don't assume because it's on the Internet or all or, 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 or you're seeing are the highlight reels that somehow the, the total reality of what's happening in their lives is what you see. What you're not seeing are the, the in-between the pictures, the fights and the aggravations, the mishaps and the photoshops, the mess before they clean it up. You don't see that. My wife and I, uh, uh, it, you, you know, is watching a, a, a television program. Well, I'll come back to that. But we see the husband and the wife photo in the daisy, and we see them holding hands in the daisy field. We see, we, you know, and then we look at their pictures and we say, oh, I wish my marriage was like that. Or, or we, we'll, we'll see things working out on, on things, and, or we'll see the, the woman's husband and he's working out and, he, and he's got six packs. And we say, well, I, I wish my husband had abs like that. And, and we do that comparison thing. We compare and then we decide that their life is somehow better than ours. And folks, again, they have problems that you don't even know about. Again, my wife and I were watching a, that weight loss program. Remember that one? Where they take the people who've gained like you know, 
400 pounds, and it's a couple. I can't remember what their name is, but, but he takes them. He says, I choose you. And then he'll, for the next year, he'll work out with these people. And then they're, they're at the very end, they, they, they have this picture. This is the beginning. And then they step out of their picture. And now they're this, this little felt little, you know, they worked out. They had the surgery. Now they look, they look totally transformed. And, and, and the guy is so nice. And, and then you see his wife. He's got like this, 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 this trophy wife. Because his, his wife, the guy who does the thing, uh, his wife looks like a Barbie doll. And then he says, yo, I want you to come to my house. And they come to the house, and, and, they, and the house is big and huge. They've got a nice house, nice cars. And, and the advice that he's given to the people along the lines of, it's not what you're eating, it's what's eating you. What's really troubling you? And they're listening. And, and they sound like that couple sounds like it's, you know, going on. And I see my wife sitting on the couch, and, I, and I'm like, and she's got her little barbell, and she's working out with, on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> and they're working on the TV, but she's working out on the couch. <laughs> so every little bit helps. <laughs> but I'm like, that couple seems like they really got it going on, the ones running the show. wonder what the, the, the show's in reruns. How are they doing today? And she looked, they're divorced. Two or three seasons on TV, all the best advice. You look at them, they look like they all got it working out. They got it working out. And at the end of the day, you didn't see the in-between, the, the scenes in-between, the schisms and the, and the arguments. I'm telling you, I don't say that to say, okay, look at them, it's bad. I'm just saying, not all that glitters is gold. Come on, somebody. <laughs> right? Everyone's got issues. Everyone's got failures. Couples struggle, they fight, yes, even fail, just like you and I. Maybe not exactly like us, but it's the same. It's similar in many ways. Psalm 73 says this, Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. Why do you almost lose his footing? Why? My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. That's a deep place. Look, he almost lost his footing. His feet were slipping. He was almost gone. And then he tells us why. For I envied the proud. And when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness, they seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They were Pride, they wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. The, the psalmist is saying he almost lost it. He almost, he, he, his heart, was, you know, he almost lost it because he was looking at people and in his mind he assumed they got it all together and why are they having it all together? And so envy came a part of his heart. Drop down to verse 16. He says, so I tried to understand why the wicked prosper, but what a difficult task it is. Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood, listen, the destiny of the wicked. Truly you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. Then I realized, verse 21, that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside I was so foolish and ignorant. He's playing the comparison game. And in his mind, there's winners and losers. And he's the loser because he doesn't measure up. But then God gives him a vision of, no, you don't see what's going to be their end. And so now he feels like a fool. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom, I, whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail. My spirit may grow weak. But God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Amen? Amen. Come on, somebody. Again, the comparison game left him bent out of shape. 
until God showed him. And, he, and in his mind, he said, I must have looked like a senseless animal until God showed him the big picture. And we may look at Hollywood and say, oh, they got it going on, or this one's got this one, and that one's got that one. Listen, you don't know the big picture, and you don't know the end. Because there are people who trust in that stuff and won't come to the Lord because they put their trust in, in, in the worldly riches, which the Bible says is here today and gone tomorrow. They've aimed low, and they've hit their target. Folks, enjoy what you have. Amen? And not everything in your life is perfect or even, or even as it seems. Let me give you a B. Value God's plan for your life. When we compare, we lose focus on what God wants to do in our lives. John 21, 19. Watch this. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Now, then Jesus told him to follow me. So Jesus tells his disciple, I believe it's Peter, the type of death, this is, this is what's going to happen in your life. This is how you, your life is going to play out and how, you're gonna, how your life is going to glorify me. So the first thing, and then he says, but in the meantime, just follow me. And so Peter, the first thing Peter does, Peter turns around. He, see, he saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? And Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? And I love Jesus' response. Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. In other words, Peter, stop focusing on other people and you focus on me. God's got a plan and a purpose for all of us something he's uniquely designed for you to do. But if you spend your life trying to emulate or impress other people, you won't discover God's plan for you. Our mission in life is not to be envious of someone else. It's to, it's to be who God created us to be. Amen? Galatians 1.10 says, Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal... I would not be Christ's servant. So the apostle Paul says, listen, people have their opinions, and there's a lot of work that I'm called to do, but at the end of the day, I am not trying to please people. I'm trying to please God. Say this with me, an audience of one. Because we're all going to stand before God, and we're not going to stand before God with a parade of people. You're going to stand before God by yourself, and you're going to give an account. And so at the end of the day, I'm going to have to give an account to him. Why am I living for everyone else? <laughs> I'm going to live for him. Amen? Does that make sense? Value God's plan for your life. And lastly, your identity should be in Christ, not in people or products, or places, or sneakers, it should be in Jesus. If, if I ask you who you are, how, how, how would you answer me? So, some will identify with their career. I'm a teacher, I'm a banker, I'm a businessman, carpenter, a plumber, or a college student. Some would say, well, 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 I'm a husband, or I'm a wife, I'm single, I'm married, divorced, widow. Some will identify with their financial status. Well, I'm, I'm pretty successful, pretty well-off, wealthy. Some might claim their race or their culture. I'm Italian, man. I'm Jamaican, Irish or Indian, Cuban, black, white, or Hispanic, or other. Today, you got the nonsense. I'm binary. I'm non-binary. Stop it. Some might identify with their physical attributes. 6'1", tall, dark, and handsome. Just saying. <laughs> now listen to me. All these may be true and traits that you, you may have, but let me tell you something. That's not who you are. 
That's not who you are. To identify just this way is going to lead you to insecurities and comparisons. This is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. He says, then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Romans 12, 3, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves. Listen, not by your bank account or the type of car you drive or the sneakers you wear. He says, measure yourself by the faith God has given us. So what's the measuring rod, the litmus test, if you will? It's faith in Christ. It's your position in him. Do you know your creator? Are you in Christ? Do you belong to him? Because at the end of the day, that's the only thing that's going to matter. I saw someone post, listen, people, 0.02345% of people actually make it to, you know, basketball, NBA, all those places of the population. But 100% of us are going to stand before God and Jesus Christ one day. Get your children in church. We put our priorities in the wrong place. Instead of at the end of the day, we're all going to answer to him. This should be our priority. Do you belong to him? 1 John 5.12 puts it plainer than any place I've ever seen it. This is what it says. Listen. Whoever has the Son... That's Jesus. Has life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. I've written this to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may guess. Help me out, somebody. What does it say? That, that you may know you have eternal life. And we are confident that he hears us whenever whenever we ask for anything that pleases him according to his will. And since we know he hears us when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what we ask. Ephesians 1, 11. Furthermore, because you are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to to his plan. And so to the question of who I am, listen to me. I am a blood-bought, Holy Spirit-filled, chosen servant of the Most High God. Amen. Whose Father loves me and has a specific plan and a purpose for my life. I am part of the universal family of Christ through adoption, and he says he will never leave me or forsake me. He said, if I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to me. He said that he's called me to be the head and not the tail. Come on, somebody. And I'm blessed going in, and I'm blessed coming out. He says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and he doesn't leave us like orphans, that, that he goes and he prepares a place for us, that where he is, we may be as well. And that he'll come back for us because we are not abandoned, we're never alone, and we're not forsaken in this land. Scripture says we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Listen to me. We don't need to envy anyone. We are the envy of the world in Christ Jesus. Amen? But the big question is, are you in Christ Jesus? He who has the Son has the life. And he who does not have the Son does not have the life. I've written these things for those who believe so that they can not guess, not hope one day, so that they can know they have eternal life. Because with Jesus comes the promise of eternal life. So when you do a self-examination of your heart, 
is the spirit of Jesus in there? Have you asked for forgiveness? Have you asked him to come into your life and come into your heart? Have you bowed your spiritual heart to the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the lover of your soul? Have you said yes to Jesus in your life? If you've not yet done that, the Bible says today, if you hear my voice, don't harden your heart as they did in the rebellion. Today, if you hear the, the whisper of the Holy Spirit saying, you need me. Because Jesus put it this way, what does it matter if, in, if, if you gain the whole world and in the end you lose your soul? For, it, for what can you give in exchange for your soul? If you are about just the lottery and just the nice cars and the fancy sneakers and, and whatever, whatever, you have aimed low. And you'll hit your target. The scripture says, I don't have to covet. It says don't covet, but I don't have to envy anybody. Because it's the believer who at the end of the day, that's why God showed the guy the big picture. So you're comparing yourself to people who are on a slippery slope. And they put their trust in those things. And a hundred years from now, well, all those people are gone already. And they didn't take none of their things with them. Not their fancy chariots or their gold. I don't care who they were. They could have been a king. Still dead in the grave. We serve the king of kings. And the lord of lords. And he's so graciously. And he says, and if you want an example of how to live, so don't be playing this comparison game. He says, he has come as a king not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom to many. And when you think of a ransom, when someone is kidnapped and the person holds them out and says, okay, unless you pay this ransom, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z to your loved one. And so the family doesn't want the person they love to be harmed. And so they, they, they mortgage their house and they sell their car and they do whatever they can to pay the bill to get their, their children back or their loved one back, their husband, their wife, or whatever. The word ransom is not used by accident because we were all enslaved to, to sin in our lives. What we all deserve is death and hell. Satan deceived mankind, and that's exactly where we were heading. But God so loved you that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And he gave as, uh, to pay off the ransom note so that he can buy us back to be in relationship with him. And if you go your whole life ignoring that and treating that like, oh, that's a nice Bible story. Let me go turn on, let me just go back to TV or whatever. You have missed the point. God loves you. And he wants relationship with you. He will not force it on you. You have to say, if you hear the Spirit calling you, yes, Lord, here I am. He literally, the scripture says, he stands at the door and he knocks. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. It doesn't say I stand at the door and knock the door down. The devil will knock your door down. God is not going to knock your door down. He only wants people who want him, who are willing to say yes, humble themselves. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. The Bible says the person who says they have not sinned is a liar, and the truth is not in him. We all need a Savior because of the sin in our lives. We went through the Ten Commandments. Guess what? We're guilty of, of not all of them, most of them. How many of you can say you've never told a lie, never took anything that didn't belong to you? Have you always honored your father and your mother? Have you always put God first in your life? Have you never looked at someone with lust in your heart? 
we all blow it. But the Ten Commandments is there to show us not just how dirty we are, but to show us that we all need a Savior. And Jesus is our Savior. Because he says, if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. But you have to say yes to Jesus in your life. You have to be the one to say, I want him. So we come to close today. Bow your heads and close your eyes, and that's you. It would be my privilege and my honor to lead you in a prayer of committing to Jesus and asking him to be your Lord and your Savior. If you know you need Jesus in your life and you want me to pray for you, just slip up your hand. Say, Pastor Rick, I want Jesus in my life. Just slip it up right where you're at. I see you, brother. I see you. Anyone else? I see you, sister. I see you, brother. I need Jesus. I see you. I see you. If you're, if you're online, I don't have to see you. God sees you. You just slip it up right where you're at. And those who raise their hand say something like this. Say, Father, I come before you today and I acknowledge my need for a Savior. I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross on my behalf. Forgive me for my sins. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Thank you that he died and rose again. And with him rising again comes the promise that because he lives, we shall live as well. Today, I receive you by faith into my heart. You said whoever has the Son has the life. And today, I receive the Son into my life. I give you free rule and reign in my life and in my heart today. In Jesus' name, I pray. And we all said, Amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends. Until the whole world hears, God bless.